Today we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 3. And if you have a bulletin with you, you can follow along. It's called the Golden Nugget of Gospel Truth. If you had just one page out of your whole Bible to share the gospel, which one would it be? Well, a good choice would be whatever page of the Bible Romans 3 is on. It is densely packed and detailed and exhaustive in its gospel message. In fact, it seems to be an introduction for everything else that is written in Romans. Romans is the book about salvation doctrine. It would make sense that such an exhaustive summary is found near the beginning as Paul expounds and explains aspects of our salvation. <clears throat> the two chapters before it, he makes a case for it. It's two chapters of what a terrible state we are in, the depravity of man, the evils of this world, the righteousness of God. And you just begin chapter 3 thinking to yourself, what are we going to do? <laughs> this is a big problem and we need a solution. If this is the state of things, we are in big trouble. So from chapter 3, it does shift. But because of the nature of the book of Romans and its purpose, we have this beautiful golden nugget of gospel truth that I want us to look at today and to consider <clears throat> how we share it. That there are essential elements to a gospel message to to evangelism if we if we leave home without any of them or or all of them or any one of them we might as well not bother <laughs> so for today let this be setting the record straight we're talking about evangelism this is the message and then let us all be on the same page. <clears throat> so from verse 19. I want to go through it verse by verse. I'll read the first two verses. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the knowledge of the law is, um, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. We must make it clear that we are saved 
from condemnation. I say it often. How do we recognize and acknowledge a need for a savior if we don't know what we're being saved from? In verse 19, he says, now we know that um, those who are under the law, the nation of Israel, but then it says, because of that, every mouth has stopped. No one has an excuse that the whole world has been become guilty before God. But that's unfair. Only, only they got the law. How are we guilty? Because they messed up. <clears throat> the law was given, and it says it was good. It represented the character of God and his righteousness. But they failed over and over and over and over again. <laughs> he says that it was never in keeping the law that we received faith in the first place. It was, it was always through faith in what God has revealed. The, the keeping of the law is the extension of that faith. But he says that the nation, they were chosen not because they were, they were better, but, but they were given this incredible advantage. They had the, the law of God. They, they, they knew him. He, he was with them, his hand of blessing and, and, um, and, and might was, was with that nation. Surely, with all those things going for them, they would have succeeded. <clears throat> it's, it's like, you know, in, those, um, in the movies, you have these, these fairgrounds, right? And you have this, this strongman contest, right? And um, you take a big hammer and you, and you have to hit the bell at the top, right? Imagine <clears throat> there's the world champion weightlifter. This guy is the strongest man alive. And the rest of the line is filled with, you know, scrawny 13-year-olds. And, and he puts every inch of effort he can into that. And it doesn't reach the top. It doesn't even go halfway up. That's what it looks like when we try and do things in our own effort. Like following the law. And all these other people are like, well, I'm not even going to try. He can't do it. How much better will I do? And that's what Paul is saying here, that the nation of Israel was a representation of all of us, that they had this amazing um, blessing and they still failed. Don't dare to think that we would have done any better given the same opportunity. And that's why God can rightly point to us and say, we have no excuse. We are saved from condemnation. We are saved by a revelation. Not solely by a revelation. This is, this is um, the aspects of the message, okay? 
It says in verse 21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. <clears throat> Those revelations of God's redemptive plan has always been clear throughout history and throughout Scripture. Isaiah speaks of it. The Psalms, in many times, um, <clears throat> the books of Moses, in Genesis 49 and Genesis 2 and Genesis 12 and over and over and over, <clears throat> this, um, this coming hope. Now it has been made manifested and it is... Um, it's it's not it's not new information. <clears throat> In fact, we have the record of this manifestation. The person of Jesus Christ, his life, his character, his teachings, his uh, his ministry. We we know it. We don't have to guess. It's it's true and it's and it's um, and it's concrete. Like First uh, uh, John, he says, and we have seen and we have handled the word of, of life. And he says, even the, the eternal life, he calls Jesus the eternal life. We have seen him and we have heard him and we have handled him. The idea is not just grazed him as he walked by the term is we hugged him and we we were we were arm in arm with him okay how do you know god people would ask this how can you really know god when you evangelize you say yes we can because we're saved because we have a revelation, we have it documented so that there can be no doubt and no uncertainty. <clears throat> Verse 22 and 23, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, um, by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> I said we are saved by invitation. Let me explain what I mean. By the way, this is, uh, this is not my outline. I, 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 I read this, this verse, and um, uh, it's from a, a pastor, Tim Cantrell. He, he put forth this outline for this uh, for this passage and I liked it so much I asked him can I use it I think um, it, it speaks to the heart of the passage so this is uh, just for uh, just so that um, that's clear okay <clears throat> it says um, even the righteousness of God which is by faith in Jesus Christ and then it says Unto all, <clears throat> I believe what it's saying is, unto all the world and upon all that believe. <clears throat> that the gospel message is disseminated and shared 
and revealed unto all the world. And those who place faith and believe, it is upon us. And then he says, there is no difference. And that's the, that's the beauty of the gospel, apart from works. <clears throat> we use verse 23 to point out that we are all sinners in the, in the sight of God. No one is, through their own works, better than someone else. And it's true, but if we read it in context, it's even more amazing. It's referring to believers, <laughs> It's referring to um, this wonderful gift that there is no difference. You are, um, you have received it because you are all sinners. <laughs> it's talking about the gospel message. We are saved by an invitation, not because of our deserving nature uh, or, or anything like that. Um, the gospel is for everyone because all have sinned. Does that make sense? We express this in this way when we, when we share the gospel, when we evangelize. <clears throat> People struggle to move past their previous wrongs. And we say, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you were. If you repent and place faith in Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness. The grace is sufficient. You are, you are not beyond redemption. That's how we would express that idea when we're sharing the gospel from this passage. Saved by justification and saved through redemption, verse 24 has these essential elements of how we understand saving faith. Let's go through it quick, <clears throat> or not quick. Um, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the word justified means to be regarded as innocent, to be declared um, innocent. It's an important difference to not say that you have been made innocent or that you are now um, in reality innocent because that would mean that there is no more penalty for your crimes. The Bible is very clear that justification involves the declaration of innocence. You are no longer um, responsible for paying the penalty for that crime. But it doesn't mean the penalty is just wiped away without consequence. That is, that is the distinction we must make, and that is what is implied if we say that um, we have just been made innocent, okay? <clears throat> the term justification is a courtroom term. And why that's relevant is because Christ would then still pay that 
penalty or has paid that penalty rather and that in the eyes of god we we are innocent but because we have been declared so and that's a wonderful thing that's a wonderful truth to know it means that we are no longer um, have the wrath of God for unrighteousness upon our shoulders. And it is good that God is a righteous judge, that he is consistent, that he does punish evil. We, what kind of judge would look at, um, at a murderer and um, a line of criminals and say, you can go free just because, and you can go free just because, and, and you have to stay because I don't like the way that you, you look. You didn't comb your hair this morning, so you have to stay. What kind of judge is just like that? No. So there must still be a penalty. <clears throat> and it is expressed in redemption, we are saved through the redemption, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So this justification isn't just a, a, simply a divine whim um, or, or will, but it is based on the redemptive act of Jesus Christ. What is redemption? It is to pay a ransom, to, to buy back something. <clears throat> the penalty for sin is death, and Christ paid the price with his body and the shedding of his blood on the cross, and he died. But he conquered death. He, the penalty... Because he is alive today, we know that the penalty is indeed paid. <laughs> and that is what redemption is. Justification and redemption. In terms of evangelism, when we share the gospel, we must make sure that it is clear that God doesn't just forgive you because of this arbitrary condition called faith. That faith is possible because of the redemption. The price has been paid. Saved through propitiation. Verse 4. Oh my goodness, all these words. Let's go through it. 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Well, there's, there's, man, there's so much great rich doctrine in these few verses. I love it. <clears throat> Propitiation means in place of another. <clears throat> so the obvious question would ask, if I'm not... Um, liable to pay for my sins but yet my sins must still be paid for 
then how does that work? Who is paying for them then? Somebody must be paying for them, and it's not me. And so verse 5 continues that thought and rounds it out that Christ died for you in your place. When we share the gospel, we must make it clear that Christ's sacrifice on the cross isn't a formality. It's not just a ritual thing that it served a very real purpose that you were removed from that penalty and Christ was put in your place. That is what propitiation means. And it just says, you know, how do we receive that? Through faith in his blood. That sentence summarizes the significance and the purpose of the cross. If they ask, why did Jesus have to... What, what happened there? The crucifixion. Explain that to me. Verse 25. That in your place, through your faith, in that act, in that significance, in that sacrifice, we have been received salvation. <clears throat> it says... And the purpose of this is to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past. And then it says, through the forbearance of God, the long-suffering and the patience and the mercy of God. Why? Why would God do this for me? Why does he even care? Why would he go through such great length to, to, to put his, his, his own son in that place? Why? Because God is merciful and he loves us and not because we deserve it, but because he is who he is, the forbearance of God, the great long-suffering and patience he has when we fail and fail and fail. I know you can't do it. I'll do it for you. Verse 26, listen to this, to declare, this is Paul speaking, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believe in Jesus. To declare a crucial element of the gospel it's in the name, the good news, an undeniable element that we cannot actually leave home without is that the gospel is what it is because we are told to share it with others, to declare at this time his righteousness, the summary of everything he just said, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth. <clears throat> Imagine, for example, if everything was exactly the same, 
if our understanding of salvation was exactly as it is now, except for one difference, that we are told not to share it. We are told to keep it as secretive and as guarded as possible, and we only allow um, people to know about it if they have somehow um, earned the right to hear the gospel. If the scriptures commands us to, to, to hoard it, would it still be the gospel? Or would it all fall apart? I submit to you that it will. The gospel cannot be what it is without the command to go out and to share what we have received. It is an essential part of the gospel. Do we understand our salvation if there's, if there's no conviction to share it with others? I don't want anything to hold you back from this wonderful privilege of sharing what we have so graciously received, eternal life. It is essential to the gospel. <clears throat> Our message is, is concluded. I pray that, um, that we may be aware of these parts and, and especially verse 26. And we consider the importance of sharing the gospel as, as the essence of the message of salvation. Let us pray. <clears throat> Dear Lord, once again we do thank you for your revealed word, for your scriptures, that we may know you and, and the great message of salvation. May we consider this mission of evangelism in light of, of what we have read today and, and we just thank you that you give us the grace to do it. You, you equip us and empower us to do it and, and we thank you for your, your grace in that regard and, and in, in so many things in our lives. We continue to lean on you for understanding and wisdom. Dear Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.